Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pray. God, we as your people this morning acknowledge that you are a fortress. You are our refuge and our salvation. And God, we ask that you would forgive us for the many times that we forget how big and powerful you are. Forgive us for the times that we try to do this life without you. And we labor and strive in our own strength. And forget, God, that you want to lead us. uh, That you want to be our rock through the tough times in life. And God, some of us in this room today are struggling. Uh, We're scattered. We are restless. Uh, We are overwhelmed with life's demands right now. And God, I pray that you would show yourself strong to each one of us again. That we would come to you this morning and experience your power, your protection, and your love over us. And so, God, teach us how to live with you at the center. Teach us every day how to live life with you as our refuge and strength. We need your help, God. We are desperate for you again today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have the the privilege of introducing our preacher this morning, Pastor Brett. Is this your first sermon ever? Not my first sermon ever. Okay. Okay. Pretty close to it, right? Yeah. One of the first ones. Okay. Um, Brett came on staff last year as our pastor of prayer ministries. And I've gotten to walk with Brett the last few months, and just I really admire just his humble heart, his willingness to serve. And I know he spent a lot of time preparing uh, for this message, a few sleepless nights, a um, few, yeah. I just want to pray for him as he uh, comes to, to preach God's word. God, we thank you for, for Brett. God, we thank you for your call on his life. He wants to be a man who feeds your sheep, who is a shepherd of your people. 
And God, this morning as he opens up your word, we pray, God, that you would give him just continued clarity, that you would give him passion. God, that you would anoint his lips, that he would speak on your behalf. So, God, we commend him to you as your servant. May you prepare our hearts to hear your word this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, Harvest. Hi, my name is Brett Kumataka. I'm the intern pastor of prayer. And it is my joy to come before you and and share God's word. Um, I'm a full-time student at Moody Bible Institute or Moody Theological Seminary for the grad school, studying for a Master's of Divinity. So I'm going there full-time, and then I'm serving here part-time as an intern pastor of prayer. I grew up in Buffalo Grove, and I've made my home here in Illinois from all my life, and so it's a very familiar place for me. I came to Christ in college. I didn't actually go up in a Christian home, so it was at my time at the University of Illinois down, <clears throat> down in Champaign where I first met the Lord, and it was with a random assignment with uh, two Korean roommates. One was from Mexico, and the other was from, straight from Korea, so there was a lot of language barriers there. Um, the Korean roommate who was from Mexico had a strange accent. It was a mixture of Spanish and Korean, and just communicating in English was a challenge, but uh, they were the ones who introduced me to Christ. They, they brought me to church, and they, I remember my first uh, service there at uh, Covenant Fellowship Church down in Champaign, and I was struck by the presence of the Lord. And uh, even though I didn't really, couldn't articulate it at the time, I remember sensing this undeniable presence of the Lord uh, for the very first time. And so that was very transformative. And through my time in university, at the University of Illinois, I grew in the Lord and just really matured in my faith. I found myself serving for the first time and encountered uh, just so many new experiences of what it meant to be a servant of the Lord, what it meant to study God's word and how to really encounter and walk with God. Um, while, on, while on campus, I heard about Harvest through uh, Pastor Hoyoung, who is at Alliance Fellowship Church. At the time, he was just known as Hoyoung, and he's serving as the EM pastor now at Alliance Fellowship. But he told me about Harvest, and so uh, while in college, I decided to stop by and check it out. After graduating college, I, I came back here to look for a church, and at the time, I had to graduate early because my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And so I graduated prematurely uh, than I expected and didn't have any plans in place. I was looking for a job and just really didn't know what to do. And in, in that time, I remember sitting in, um, at the, in the building of Alliance Fellowship at the time. We were sharing the building and uh, in that service, Pastor Dave made an announcement for the vision for the church for the new year. And he said the word ignite and had a picture of a banner. It was about as tall as the the refreshments and information banner with a picture of a match. And it was that very word and that very image that I've been uh, received from the Lord and I was praying uh, for guidance. And so there was that 
confirmation from the Lord that this is where I was called to be and this is where he wants me to be. It was, it was really divine appointment because I just was so confused with the cancer and joblessness and all, the, all that trouble. I just really didn't have the clarity of mind to really uh, make a wise decision and God spoke to me so powerfully. While at Harvest, I continued to serve and helped out with the Sojourners Ministry, which is now Greenhouse, and then also with Alliance Fellowship Church and their youth group. And so we, I served there, and now I find myself uh, as interim pastor of prayer. Uh, I received my personal call into ministry from reading John 21, where it says, where Peter is being reinstated by Christ. And after his failure, he's coming before Jesus. And Jesus asks, do you love me? And Jesus, Peter responds, of course I do. And Jesus responds, then feed my sheep. And it was that, those words, feed my sheep, just kept on echoing in my heart and mind. And I couldn't shake it, for, shake it. And with the urging of my community group and uh, saving up for several years, I, I'm now able to study God's word and train for ministry. So, in many ways, my experience here at Harvest has been so formational for me, and so the fellowship that I have with you is so special to me, and it's so dear to my heart that I get to share God's word with you. And so, even though I lost a lot of sleep preparing this message, it's, it's with great joy and a deep sense of affection and love that I really hope that you find the rest that God is up desires to offer you. So if you're taking notes, uh, the title of today's sermon is called Finding Rest. Um, rest has multiple components to it. So there's this physical, phys- physical or physiological component where you, you just physically sleep. And there's also, you find in the Bible, that there's a spiritual component, uh, either referring to eternity or just um, being at peace with God. And so there's this very broad topic, but it has like connotations of both every time it's used, or usually when it's used. Uh-huh. Okay. One of the things I really enjoy about Harvest is that it's so full of life. Every time you come in, there's children running around screaming, and kids playing DS, and uh, you see like the adults chatting, and babies are being born every day (laughs) you know (laughs) life is just so abundant here and in 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 that noise of life we come together and we worship the lord but it also we also find that sometimes it's hard to enter into the presence of god because of that very reason there's so much noise that we have in our life that whether it be friends and family or work or even things at church there's just just an abundance of activities that are at being asked of us. And so in, in that chaos and, and all that noise, even though they're good things, God is speaking through that noise and calling out to us, asking, will you enter into rest with me? And so, yeah, my, our, the whole focus of the sermon is revolving around that invitation to enter into Christ's rest. 
I'm not preaching on this topic as an expert of rest. Um, many of who know me know that I tend not to sleep too much. <laughs> and so it is with this attitude of des- and desire to really learn what it means to rest in the Lord, what it means to live a godly life, and what it means to have that kind of uh, the heart of the Sabbath both applied in our daily lives. Yeah, so there's, there's a sense of huge irony here because I'm preaching on rest and I've pulled four all-nighters this week. <laughs> and so I've been praying that my mind would be all here and thankfully the Lord has answered in partial ways. <laughs> and so I, I need this passage to just speak to me as well. I need rest in Christ and I need him to be so richly dwelling within me. And I pray that that same joy and peace and hope might manifest itself within you as well. Yeah, there are, I recognize that there are some people in this room who are just have immense burdens in their life, whether it be financial or relational or um, just even uh, just with, with work. There's a heaviness that comes with life and there's a deep desire for Christ to allow you, even now, to find rest with him. So if you have your Bibles, will you open up with me to Matthew eleven twenty-five verses 30? I'll be reading from the ESV. This is the word of God. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. The first point I want to make is that Christ has the power to give rest. Christ has the power to give rest. And so verse 27 says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. The book of Matthew is unique from the other Gospels in the sense that it really pushes forward this idea of the kingdom of God. And so uh, there's this advancing, the pronouncement of the coming kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is near. And then even uh, the book of Matthew records unique stories about Jesus teaching about what the kingdom of God is like. There's a series of images that he uses to portray Uh, in, in this prayer to the Father, Jesus is saying uh, everything has been handed over to him from the Father and that he can now has authority. So it's not um, just a personal declaration, but his peace and authority uh, comes from the Father and it's not generated of himself, but there's this relationship between the Father and the Son. People typically separate their uh, understanding of rest and the kingdom of God. Usually it's separate. 
there think, there's a thinking that we will have rest when we are in, when we are in, ter- in eternity, when we die. Uh, but rest for us now is not available. And in this passage, we see that Christ is offering it to us even now. We have, because the kingdom is now being ushered in. It's not just something that is off in the future, but the kingdom of God is here. Christ reigns as king, and he will establish his authority and internal reign uh, for us. In recent news, there has been a pressure uh, in Libya. I'm not sure if you follow the current events, but if there has been an uprising, a violent uprising in the country of Libya, where there's basically a dictator, and he, in response to the uprising that is going there, he used uh, military force to suppress it. And in that suppression, it, suppressing of that uh, uprising, it's brought a lot of attention from the UN because there's been questionable actions uh, in that suppression. Uh, and so, uh, in his response to the UN and to the President Obama as well, He states, I am not a president. I have not been elected. I'm a dictator. Therefore, I do not step down. (laughs) And so he makes this declaration that that he doesn't have to step down because he himself has authority that he himself gave. Um, I don't want to make too much of a comparison between Christ and the dictator of Libya, (laughs) but (laughs) Christ rules and he reigns and he has all authority given to him. And it's something that we typically glance over. We see it as, okay, Christ is king, and then we kind of move on with our lives. But then in this, we see that it has everything to do with rest because he has all authority to do so. He, God, has created rest. And so it's not like we uh, just discovered rest and we can become experts on it, but God himself created rest for us and it allows us to enter into that rest. And so it would be foolish of us to just come before God and say, I know better than you. I know how to rest and I'm just going to continue to go on my own way. There's this attitude that we need to confront that isn't necessarily intentional, but in our actions, it really reflects this desire that we know better than God in how to rest. And so uh, there's this struggle because of the fall and because of our fallen nature that we uh, seek to, we believe that we know better than God. One thing I realized while working is that sometimes we can find our identity in our work. Work becomes all we do, all we think about. It consumes over 40 hours of our week each day, and we become attached and emotionally invested into it. Uh, And so in this entanglement of our time and energy and emotions, we falsely uh, think that 
our identity comes from our work. And this is a real big issue because we can say to the Lord, our, our identity is our work. I refuse to listen to what you have to say about rest because I know better. This is what I am about. And what you offer is just doesn't make sense. But we quickly find that these false identities that we take upon our lives are quickly become very cruel masters to ourselves. They oppress us. They rob us of joy. And, and when things in our work collapse, they become, quickly become very difficult for us to handle. There's this collapsing, and then we come before the Lord and are really lost. In our lives, we can try and find some degree of rest in our lives. We can do sports or uh, maybe watch TV and uh, find, find temporary relaxation in these things. These things are not bad, but then they, after we've done the, gone through the actions of doing the rest, we find ourselves still unsatisfied. There's a degree to which the rest that we can have uh, apart from Christ will not satisfy us, and it's intentional. There's a, we were created to have a heart that worships God. And so when we come in the area of rest and relaxation and we deny, do not have that relationship with God in that area, we find ourselves empty and shallow. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. But the, the good news is all is not lost. Uh, Christ has the ability to give rest to his people. My second point is Christ offers to give rest for those who are burdened. Christ gives rest for those who burden. Verse 28 says, All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. The weight of work and the tasks at hand can be overwhelming. Sometimes the tasks can be relational, where we are stuck. Um, I don't want you stuck, but uh, we are at home and we have children to watch. And throughout the day, there's just the overwhelming needs of the children that we need to continue to do. And uh, in that demand of our time and energy and emotion, we find ourselves uh, pouring ourselves out and we can just, it becomes a distraction for our relationship with the Lord. Uh, not that having children is bad, not that being a good parent is bad, but at the same time, if we do not do this in relationship with God, we, it, once again, it's this empty feeling that we will find. No. Or perhaps it's you find emptiness in work. You've been working at the same job. You've advanced yourself into a position on where you have authority now, and there's even you may even have some financial stability that you once dreamed and uh, of in college, and you've kind of found a place and niche for yourself. But even that, there's this creeping up of a fear within you that there's there's the fear that you might lose your job, and that anxiety slowly dwells and builds and grows within your own heart. Um, and, and sometimes it even causes us to lose sleep. Our body starts to ache and 
can overwhelm us. Others may feel the weight of the silence of God. Sometimes in our relationship with God, we can feel as though he's not listening. And we can sit there and pray and find ourselves frustrated because there's nothing left. We feel that God has not answered us. Has he heard us? And that, and that waiting for a response from the Lord, our hearts ache, and we are yearning to hear from the Lord. Christ's invitation to rest isn't for the super spiritual gurus. It's not some... Uh, at, at college, there was this one old lady who prayed in, without ceasing in the truest meaning of the word. And, and so I thought, she surely knows what rest is, but everyone else, that, that rest is not made available for us. What, what can, how can I experience that? And it just seems so far off. And when I was doing this passage, I was just struck. It's like Christ says it's not for those who have everything figured out. It is not for those who know what they're doing in life. It is for those who can just admit, I am, I am worn out. And then he invites us. It's that simple. We don't, there's no longer this puffing up or striving, but it is I just this passive admitting that I don't have everything together and now Lord won't you teach me how to rest in you. If Christ is offering us rest, then how come we don't have it? Some we can have this angry attitude when we find this passage. We see Christ says Offering rest, but I feel like I have a relationship with Christ, but then there's this aspect to which I don't, I, I just can't find it. I'm so frustrated that I just can't seem to find any bit of rest in all the chaos. There's just so much going on. And sometimes Christ does call us to seasons where we sleep less. If you look at Matthew 26:45, it says, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Or in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, For even when we were into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. There are occasions where our lives will be stretched and we will be called to be um, like Christ and live sacrificially. And so sometimes that component actually does include the giving up of our sleep, (laughs) as much as that pains me to say. But sometimes we will be called to give up sleep. But that doesn't mean Christ is not offering rest. And so it's just that there needs to be wisdom and discernment when you're deciding you know what is of the Lord. It's not always as clear-cut. I am going to put it off because Christ has called me to rest, and I don't have to do that. <laughs> and there's also this component in which Christ also calls us to live sacrificially, uh, to die to ourselves, and um, even give up our bodies at time for the sake of His perp- of His kingdom. So. Even the good and godly things can be 
become burdensome if we don't use wisdom and discernment and really come before the Lord in his presence. My third point is Christ will walk with us to find rest. This, this is the good news. A lot of this has been really heavy, and it has been meant so that you feel the weight of life. Um, but this, this is where the good news comes in. Christ offers to walk with us as we, as we work. It says in verse 28 and 29, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you haven't grown up in an agrarian society, a yoke is used between two oxen to pull a plow. And so it would be customly designed uh, for each oxen. It wasn't some generic mass-produced thing, but it would actually be designed around the oxen. And so when in verse 29 it says, my yoke is easy, that word easy has this connotation of well-fitted and pleasant. It's not like the work is becomes miraculously like you don't have to try hard, but it has this component to which the work that we do when we are with Christ, it will fit us well. Our walk with Christ will come in alignment with him, and we will find that we are living in what we were created to do. Another component to that is we also see that it is a yoke. A yoke was meant to work. In an ironic twist, we, in order to experience rest in this life, we, there has to be work. It seems so paradoxical. We think that rest means absence of work, but if we look at this, we see that to some degree, we actually have to work to f- experience Christ's rest. Um, so what, what, is that, what does that look like? How do we, what does that mean to work to find rest? It seems so absurd. That practice of taking upon the yoke, learning to walk with Christ, there has to be, on our part, an intentionality to walk with him. So there's this, it, it's just this acknowledgement, and then we move forward. So it's not... We also have this juxtaposition that God chooses us. So it's not just one person saying, I would choose to follow Christ, and it is my strength that we follow Christ. But it is both uh, actions working together. It is God choosing us to do his work, and it is also us choosing to participate with him. And so both are happening in order for us to experience rest. Uh, I have been spending a lot of time with my grandmother lately. I live right now in Skokie, and my grandmother lives out there, and then I commute from Skokie to Moody. Um, And one thing I've been asking her a lot about is, what was it like for you as a child? Uh, She grew up in America and came, she was born in America, so she, she, her experience of America was in its very formational stages. Uh, they lived in California, and it was uh, a much diff- more difficult life. They lived in a, one of those storage carts that they used to transport uh, 
for trains, you know, the big cargo boxes. It was reconverted into a home, and that was how everyone lived there. There was a whole community of these boxcars, and everyone just lived in the boxcar. And that's, that was her home growing up. And her father worked on the railroad and helped oversee its development. And, and so I asked her, why does it, what, what's really different between our generation now and now? And the first thing she commented on was, you, those, the technology has changed. Uh, and so my grandmother is actually pretty savvy with technology. She's better than a lot of grandmas. But like, when, when I, pull, I, I recently have an iPhone, and, and she looks at it, and she goes, how do you use this? Like, she's like, you just press the, the screen. And she's like, what, what? There's no buttons. And the idea of a touchscreen just, just is so foreign to her. But what I'm getting at is, like, even though there's this difference in technology, the, the workload is actually probably, in her generation, she worked more uh, the, to, get, to fill the bathtub. They would have to get the water from an, a pump and carry it over. And then they would have to empty the bathtub. So even like simple chores became much more difficult. There wasn't the convenience of a running water. Toilets were not in the house. They were actually outhouses. <laughs> they had to dig holes in order to use the washroom. So times were different. And, and so what, one of the things she really articulated in terms of what, why we don't experience rest is that there was a difference in the way we experience life. There's, it might have been the immigrant experience, but she ex articulated that it seemed to be outside of the Japanese-American community, that when people would go on vacations and uh, just uh, experience daily life, it was done much more communally. It, instead of this isolation, the key component that she articulated for uh, why people feel so restless is that people are trying to do things in isolation of each other. And so uh, this whole illustration of uh, the difference in generation and finding rest and just uh, being separated from technology, sometimes we can think, okay, we just turn off all the cell phones, we turn off all our Blackberries, stop doing Facebook posts, Twittering, and all that, and separate us from our emails. But then we still find that there's this um, just busyness to our lives. Um, perhaps this is coming from this idea that I need to rest on my own. Rest comes in isolation. I, I will separate myself from everything, and then, then I will find rest. And this is escaping and isolation and individualistic idea of rest can maybe is not what we're meant to experience. In our contrast to our struggle, we see that the yoke of Christ is easy. Um, and so, like I talked about this before, the yoke means, when it says it's easy, it means well-fitted and pleasant. And so, when we when we take upon the yoke of Christ, there is this um, just a unique custom 
custom purpose that we each have for the kingdom of God. We each have unique gifts and talents and different things that we are meant to accomplish while we are here on this earth and what we are meant to use our life for. And so this custom and easy-fitting yoke, we each have unique tasks, but at the same time, we are meant to do it with Christ. So all work is to be with Christ. What, what does this look like? Uh, and I, I was trying to think of an example. Uh, have you seen those State Farm commercials where they say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and then the agent miraculously appears? And it just pop up all of, out of nowhere, and then the State Farm agent solves their problems. They, he comes and assesses the accident. And, and, and so... I was like, that actually is kind of like a picture of prayer. It's kind of bizarre, but hang with me. So like when we, when we pray, God is there with us. We get to actually experience Christ, and then it becomes real in our lives. Unlike the State Farm agent, God is omnipresent. He is always with us. And if we give our lives to Christ, we actually have the Holy Spirit indwelling in with, within us so that we can find um, that we when we walk with God, there's, it's not alone, but we have God himself dwelling with us. Uh, and so, to evaluate and just to make our next step, we need to, one of the things that I found very helpful to assess my own walk with God is what it, what does my spontaneous prayer life look like? I have found that to be one of the most helpful tools in assessing my walk with God. When I am doing the dishes or when I'm driving in the car, what, what are the thoughts that come to my mind? Do I commune with God in the mundane? Or is it just absence? Is there emptiness in those times? And I have found that even using those the small mundane tasks uh, to really enrich enrich my relationship with God. Pastor Dave always jokes about how he experiences God in the shower. Uh, for me, it's the car when I'm driving, and I just turn off the radio for a little bit. It doesn't have to be the whole ride. And that moment of silence now becomes a place of worship, and I have found that to be great for my soul. Um, and so our striving to find the rest doesn't have to be this big exerted effort, but it, it's the redeeming of the small things, maybe taking an intentionality with um, the quiet room before service. There We have the quiet room that is open 45 minutes before service, and um, I know for myself, since I'm there every morning, it, it has been great for my soul. Uh, it transforms my day, and really changes the way I experience God on Sundays. And so I challenge you guys to maybe try it out. You don't have to make a long-term commitment to it, but just maybe stop in one service and see if that, if you meet Christ there. I, I believe you will. And so it, it, it does take a little effort. It does take some work. It will require you to make up, maybe wake up 15 minutes earlier. But in that process believe you can take your next step with God and experience his rest and his, his presence in a very new and rich way. 
just, just by waking up 15 minutes earlier. And so William Thrasher, one of my professors, he's the professor of spiritual formation. He said, uh, I quoted him briefly, he says, we often make cruel masters for ourselves. And so we often find this to be very true. We make all these decisions for ourselves and then find ourselves regretting the decisions we made, not maybe the, even moments after we made the decision. I, I'm, I know I'm guilty of this too, so it's not like I'm saying, oh, you make mistakes, but uh, I find that myself, I make a cruel master for myself. And if only I would take Christ's invitation to fall under his lordship and, and be under, as place him as king of my life, I would really find that God is very real and that he offers rest. God rules over his kingdom and he invites us to walk with him. He is willing and able to give rest. He is even willing to give us rest right now. And so um, let's just spend a couple minutes right now just practicing that right now. Well, let's just uh, come before the Lord for a couple minutes in silence, and then I'll lead us through a couple things in prayer. So let's just take a couple moments to quiet ourselves before the Lord. God offers us rest. He has all authority to give us rest. He has rule over this earth and his kingdom. He offers rest to those who are weary and heavy laden. And he offers us the chance to walk with him in our daily lives. And he doesn't ask us to do it alone, but he's with us and he will dwell with us. God, I thank you that you have chosen us. You have seen us in our brokenness, in our weakness, in our weariness. Pray that each of us who uh, just walk through life trying to really figure what it's all about, that we might find the rest that you are offering to us, that we might learn to be in your presence to take upon your yoke and walk with you. Lord, we are so thankful for the work you did on the cross, how it allows us to come into a relationship with you, and that we have now clean, we can become before you clean and made new. And so, Lord, uh, with that sense of awe and thankfulness, we uh, just say thank you so much, Lord. You have been such a good uh, master to us. You have watched over our souls. You have made us new. You have given us life. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you once again. And we pray these things in your son's name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. 
Thanks for listening.